Hi, I'm Chris Wilson, and you're listening to State of the Republic Podcast. Welcome, soccer fans, to the State of the Republic Podcast. My name is Luis, and today I am joined by our Sac Republic Arizona co-host, Jared. How's it going, Jared? Uh, it's doing excellent. Uh, just uh, keeping abreast of the uh, rest of the USL playoffs. Just uh, excited to see Orange County actually take down San Antonio. And then, of course, you see the, the Eastern Conference. Uh, Tampa Bay does it again. They move They move on to the fi- to final. Hopefully, they'll be able to play the final this time around. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, with it being Thanksgiving uh, week, it's, it's it's a short week, right? As we all know, right? You, you, you got a short week and then you get to celebrate Thanksgiving and you know, I think out of the whole year, it's it's one of those holidays which uh, I really enjoy, right? Because it gives you that time of the year to really reflect on different things that you're thankful for during the whole year. And and so, um, you know, we're going to do a quick laws of gratitude here today. And uh, I have a lot of things to say uh, about that and, and really a lot of thank yous uh, there as well. But as far as playoffs go, I mean, I have to say Orange County really awesome job right they, they took it to penalties which it wasn't easy right San Antonio was actually having a pretty good playoff run and the fact that they took it all the way to that point and that they end up winning and now they're in a USL final against Tampa Bay Rowdies which of course are, are the favorites to win but uh, I really hope that you know they get the chance to represent the West great and that we see them get the title because we know that the team has a couple of familiar faces, right, that we've seen before um, with mm-hmm. Sac Republic as well, right, in in the past. And so, you know, the the fact that they they made it that far is really great. And, you know, shout out to uh, all the guys over there and our, our good old friend, uh, Seth Kasipli, right? He uh, overcame an injury that kind of had him out of the field for a long time. And so I'm glad he came back. And, I mean, the, the guy's been doing really good and, he was actually uh, one of the PK uh, kickers as well. And, you know, he got the first goal. Uh, the, he got the first PK, which, you know, it's never the easiest, right? Especially when, when you got the first and the fifth PK. Usually those are the more nerve-cracking ones, I have to say. And so really great that he he got to score that. And, you know, he gets to move on to the USL Championship final, which, you know, we'll definitely be tuning in. And the mm-hmm. awesome thing I got to say, shout out to USL because, the final is actually on ESPN and ESPN Deportes as well. And it's really awesome that it's nationally broadcasted. Of course, you could watch it on ESPN Plus as well. But I think the fact that they were able to get negotiations with ESPN to make sure that it was more on a cable provider as well, uh, you know, to get all that out there, I think is really awesome. And to not only get it there, but get it in the Spanish side on ESPN Deportes as well is even more amazing so yeah and and also the fact that it's not going to be on a thursday like it was a few years ago thank you espn and usl it's actually going to be on uh, i think a sunday isn't it isn't that right yeah this sunday november 28th at 5 30 um pacific ah so that's oh, that's going to be a day before i fly out to jacksonville next week hmm might have to stay up and uh watch that then oh nice yeah uh it's great that they did it on that too i remember i do remember when it was thursday too and i was like what what are they thinking why why have a final during the week (laughs) you could do it on the weekend so i'm glad they're doing it on a sunday and it's gonna be great again i I just i just hope we see orange county even if 
they don't win, I, I hope it's a good match. I hope they take it to penalty kicks yeah. because, I mean, uh, Orange County's kind of shown in the playoffs that they've been doing pretty good with PKs, right? Since they, they yeah. uh, went through semifinals and, and you know, Western finals uh, through PKs and they made it. So that'd be, that- be kind of cool. <laughs> That's been the whole theme of the playoffs this year, penalty kicks. I mean, we had the penalty kicks between Phoenix and RGV. We had penalty kicks between uh, Orange County and San Antonio. I mean, it's it's just been high drama, you know, at least on the Western Conference side. I mean, the Eastern, yeah, there was some here and there, especially with the uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Birmingham uh, COVID situation. Uh, but, you know, right. Right now, we kind of figured the Eastern Conference Championship was, was going to be Tampa Bay and Louisville City FC. I mean, Louisville City, they have been strong the past several years. Tampa Bay, ever since they came into the fold, they have just been pushing through it. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, uh, the, the better team had won with Tampa Bay. And now this time, they'll actually get a chance to play for the title, unlike last year. And then you've got Orange County. They have been – they've always been a pain in everybody's side, especially Republic FC. And now you see former Republic FC player Thomas Innovoldson. He's actually going to get a chance to play for the Cup now. Yeah. To talk about, you know, great stuff for him, especially um, for for him who – you know, he, he was with Orange County before, right, before us as well. And mm-hmm. so the yep. fact that he's able to make it there as well and – I think just the organization as a whole, right? Even though we we've mentioned here before, you know, the, the, the they could have more people at games. I, I think they could, but hey, here's here's where you kind of prove it, right? You win a championship, and maybe more people are going to come out uh, next season and, and watch more of their games, which I really hope so, right? Because I I've been to Championship Stadium myself, and it's a really nice venue, and oh yeah, the, it should be full all the time. I mean, it, it was a really good experience going to the game. And parking was free. There were like little perks like that, and and so, yeah, and they had enough parking right to uh, make sure that the whole stadium is full. And it was located in a really good area as well. So, yeah, I, I hope you know for for the well being of the organization because they're they're doing great stuff and they always have a competitive team on the field. But we see that happen. Yeah, I mean that, that stadium really should be full. I mean e- even with the other uh, train system they have in Southern California. I mean, it was still pretty decent to get from the stadium back onto the, um, I think the, the Amtrak or the Metrolink. Uh, I know they had a train station there, there in Irvine or in connect to Santa Ana, some of the other big cities on that trip. So really getting there shouldn't be too much of an issue. So there really should be more people. I mean, especially with, with a nice stadium that they've got over there. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, so it's a shame, you know, the game's not going to be in Orange County. It's going to be in Tampa Bay, but, you know, I, I, I think that they're, they're showing to do really good, and I hope, again, that, that that brings people more people to the stands for next season. So, Jared, uh, let's go ahead and, and um, do quickly our um, Golazos of Gratitude. Uh, I, I would call it Thanksgiving edition, right, because we're recording two days before Thanksgiving here. So uh, do you have any you'd like to say yourself? Well, I mean, I'm definitely uh, thankful and uh, definitely want to issue uh, gratitude, you know, for you know, the th- for things that have happened over the past year um, compared to early 2020. I mean, I'm definitely thankful for having an, an excellent job that I have that's afforded me the opportunity to actually come out to more public FC games, both in Sacramento and on the road. So that's definitely something I, I'm very grateful for. And, of course, having... Uh, you know, somewhat decent health. So that, that also plays a role into it. So 
I mean, I'm just thankful for the things that, that I have. I mean, some things I didn't even have a year ago, two years ago. So I'm definitely thankful for, you know, the, the people I ha- have in my life and thankful for, for you and Sharon for, you know, get, giving me a voice and expressing my fandom for the Republic FC uh, all the way out here in Arizona, because really here in Arizona, there's, you know, it's mostly dominated with Phoenix uh, fandom, which is understandable, but, uh, but given the fact that we're spreading our word so far, I mean, that's got more people interested, even, even some of the uh, Sacramento expats that live here. I mean, that's definitely uh, raised the the decibels here. So, I, I mean, I'm definitely grateful, you know, for us being here, especially for as long as we have. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I also have to say, I am pretty thankful for everyone who supported this podcast, right. With all of our co-hosts. So Sharon, Jared, Michael, Danny, Crash, uh, and, you know, and everyone else who we've had here on as a guest as well. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't have like a list together with everyone's name, but everyone knows who they are, everyone who has been at some point here as a guest, uh, someone we've interviewed, uh, we, you know, uh, on the live shows as well as guests, uh, people who left comments on the live shows, the, all those things, really awesome, really appreciated. And the podcast has already turned uh, a year old, right? It, it turned a year old actually as of end of last month. And so the fact that it's been growing really quick and we're seeing this project um, just grow exponentially uh, like nothing else is really awesome to me, right? Because previously we had the other podcast. It wasn't quite like this one. And this one, we decided to take another approach. And so I'm really happy to see how much it's it's really grown uh, now and how much more it'll continue to grow on and uh, especially as we you know get more stickers out to people and more merchandise which you know we're already planning out on different things uh, scarves is actually the next thing so uh, you know Yay! stick tuned because th- they-, they will be here soon uh, definitely next year when games get started we, we will definitely have them and so uh, super excited to to see that and and more things again that we're going to be working on because we we want to make sure we continue to promote the sport here in the Central Valley and also promote our good old Sac Republic, which we know that next season they have a lot in store for us, right? There, there's a lot of things they're planning for us and um, a lot of new faces that we're going to see on the pitch, right? Because we, we've seen that we have a lot of players that are leaving out. And so um, it, it's going to be really interesting uh, next season and, and all that. And, and I, I can't wait to see um, how it all turns out um, with the podcast and, and more things that we're going to be doing and and all the plans that we have. There's a lot of things that we talk about off there that, you know, are dreams of ours, things that we would like to do in the community and, and all that to continue to promote soccer. So just just be on the lookout. I think 2022 is going to be a big year for, for the podcast because we have a lot going on. And so I, I'm super thankful for that. Also super thankful for, again, everyone who has told us they listen to the show and even the people listening right now who haven't told us like in person, like I listened to the show or given us commentary, super thankful for you as well. Because again, like I always say with any of the podcasts that I do, which I usually say here, I do like five or six podcasts <laughs> that I have, <laughs> you know, I'm always really thankful when I see anyone listen to the show and, and I keep track of the analytics. I always have that on the background. And so the fact that I see listens every time I post the episode and that I've seen them grow throughout the time, right. Since we started last year up to this point is just really awesome. And I, I, you know, I, I'm just forever thankful uh, to just know that 
people enjoy what we're doing and that you know they they show us their support and that we'll, we'll still be here doing this because you know what we really uh, are big uh, supporters of the cause and and we know that there, there's a lot more room for growth in the sport uh, as we all know right and we want to make sure that we always have a team in Sacramento right that we're always supporting our team there and even if it's always USL we we have to really uh, be thankful, right, for the fact that we we have a team in Sacramento. Yes. Before we didn't have anything, right? Or you'd have to go to San Jose, even maybe LA area. But you know, there, there's just no sense of identity to a club that is more closer to you. And the Bay Area teams are the Bay Area teams. Like you, you can't really, you can't really feel the same way, right? Because it's just a whole different culture than it is here, more in the Valley. And so mm-hmm. the fact that we have a team, people should be thankful for that. And so. Uh, you know, I feel like it's almost our job, right, through the episodes that we do and being able to promote um, Sacramento Republic, Academica, uh, Central Valley Fuego, as, as we'll be talking about here shortly as well. So and and all the other clubs, right, because there's a lot more clubs out there that are semi-pro, amateur, that they don't really get the spotlight too much. People don't really know too much about them. And I think the more people know about them, the more they'll know, hey, there's there's a place that I could probably go and play or I could take my child to be a part of that club as well. And, and who knows, right? They might get seen or, or you know, they, they might just want to play in the semi-pro level. And hey, there's there's a place for them there. It's just, it's not as much known, but, you know, I, I think that it's one of our goals here to highlight them so that way there's more awareness of like, oh, look, yeah, we have semi-pro clubs here and there, right? There's a club in Elk Grove and Stockton, even in Modesto. And so I, I I think that, you know, that's one of the things that we're trying to do. That's why we're here doing these interviews as well, especially during the Republic off season. And so uh, really want to make sure that, you know, the word gets out on on everything and we we can help with that. And so again, thank you so much to everyone who does that and, and who shares the podcast. You are doing an awesome job. Thank you so much because, you know, we, we don't have like a large team here that shares the, the podcast and, and all that. So the more people we have that can help us with that effort, the better, because we want to make sure, again, that more and more people in the Valley uh, know about us. So that way we can you can help us grow um, the sport and help us with that mission, which uh, is, is really a podcast mission, right, to, to grow soccer in the Valley. So thank you. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. We appreciate everyone that listens, that tells uh, other people that ask for stickers. I mean, we appreciate you. We love you. We can't do this without you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So with that being said, I think I I basically give my thank you to all the world out there (laughs) listening to us too. So uh, yeah, it's it's just really great. And and I'm really excited again. to get started tonight here um, w- with the interview that we're going to be doing. Uh, we're going to be interviewing um, for the first time, really, right? So someone who is in charge of the new Fresno club that will be starting a USL League one next year. And so uh, let's go ahead and get started then with this interview. So today on the podcast, joining us is the president of Central Valley Fuego Football Club, which is actually going to be based out of Fresno, California, and we'll be playing in the USL League One. Chris Wilson. Welcome, Chris, to the podcast. How's it going, man? It's going great, Luis. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being on. Um, and we'll go ahead and uh, let Jared get us started here tonight. Okay. All right. All right. Once again, thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to speak with us here today about uh, 
about Fuego FC. Now, we do know you've had, had, had some history with Fresno FC, which was really a, an amazing team, especially being down 99, which made for a great uh, derby. Uh, is there any, anything that, uh, as far as what happened to the club and as well as its relationship to the USL? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Fresno FC was a, was an incredibly short run, but a, but a hell of a run while it was going. Um, Fresno is my hometown. Um, I was lucky enough to be involved uh, with the Fresno Fuego uh, for a number of years. And, and really, uh, when, when Fresno FC came to town, I think a lot of people were just really excited to have professional soccer. Obviously, we had had USL um, PDL soccer, and we'd kept up quite a bit with Sacramento Republic and uh, had quite a few matches, even with Fresno Fuego before. So there had already been kind of that kind of natural derby that was going to take place between Fresno and Sacramento. So when Fresno FC came in, um, it was just a market that was really ready uh, for professional soccer. Um, you know, maybe maybe not the twelve and 14,000 crowds that you might see up in Sacramento, but we were drawing six, 7,000 people a game, which is really good for, for a USL championship club. Um, one of the biggest challenges, and, and even we can talk about it now, even with Fuego, that that's face is, is facilities really in, in the central Valley as, as Luis, you know, in Modesto, Modesto's actually got some of the, the, the North Valley actually has some of the better facilities, but down in uh, the Fresno area, there just aren't really that many soccer specific facilities in place. There's quite a bit of um, football stadiums, which as you guys know, most football stadiums aren't really wide enough to fit a professional soccer pitch. Um, and, and just one big triple A baseball stadium. Uh, Chick Chansey Park, where the Fresno Grizzlies play. So when Fresno FC came in, the goal was to quickly identify a location to build a a permanent stadium uh, and get moving on that. After about a year and a half or so, the ownership group of Fresno FC had really struggled to find a location to play. A lot of people have this misconception because there's so much ag land in the Central Valley that there's just vast amounts of land available for sale when that's not necessarily true. Um, Zoning's an issue. It's not industrial areas. A lot of the land is ag land and it's, it's somewhat difficult to develop at times. So after about a year and a half of looking for locations within the city of Fresno and its surrounding cities, uh, the ownership group felt inclined to begin looking at, at other options, um, feeling as if the market just really wasn't going to be able to provide a permanent location. And as we know, in the USL, you need a permanent venue uh, after X amount of years. And uh, it didn't seem like that light was at the end of the tunnel in the city of Fresno. Um, the ownership group at the time uh, lived in the Monterey Bay area. And they began speaking with with folks out there, and they were able to acquire um, a property to to renovate a, a stadium at CSU Monterey Bay, which you guys probably know. And uh, and the ownership group uh, folded the team uh, at Fresno FC and relocated the franchise uh, to a new franchise over in Monterey Bay. So that was kind of the end of it. Obviously, for me, I I was working um, in the Bay Area before joining Fresno FC. And so to get get to come home and work for your hometown club as an inaugural franchise was a pretty incredible experience. Um, high highs, low lows, right? But what it did is it it really showed, I think, it really showed the country and it showed Fresno itself that this is a town that's ready for professional soccer. Um, 
the heavy lifting of finding a place to play um, was going to be the biggest challenge going forward. Um, but luckily, once Fresno FC decided to, to relocate and, and move the franchise, um, there were local people ready to pick up the pieces and ready to go and ready to carry that mantle and, and continue the pursuit of professional soccer in Fresno. And so that kind of leaves me where I'm at today here with Central Valley Fuego. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I mean, you guys definitely made a big splash, like uh, coming through to the league and, and just the short amount of time that you guys were with us. I mean, we, we saw you guys in playoffs. We saw some really good games. I mean, all the games we played against Fresno were always really close. And even the games you we were playing at Fresno, I remember, I mean, they, they were really, really interesting. And so it, it was kind of a shame, right, when we found out that you guys were going to be gone and you know, we, we wouldn't probably have another team till who knows when, right? Especially as someone like myself that is from the Valley and I, I know just how much talent there is here, but unfortunately, a lot of those players don't get that much of a development, right? Because they don't really have a team that's close by or just maybe uh, the spotlight, right? Since a lot of recruiters, I'm sure, end up going to the Bay Area or LA and don't really put a lot of attention to us. Whereas, you know, when you have a team here in the Valley and they're seeing that there's a lot of talent here, right? Especially if you're making it to the playoffs, then, you know, maybe that makes them rethink as to like, where should we go recruit? And let's not stick with the big cities. Let's maybe look at other spots that maybe we didn't pay a lot of attention to in the past. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, to think about that. I mean, I, I really do believe that the Central Valley is, it's a hotbed for talent. I mean, obviously, you know, with Fresno in particular in, in our area of the Valley, we're roughly n- nearly 70% Hispanic, a large population of which it, uh, comes, you know, from Mexican families. And so there's just this huge uh, already kind of built in fan base for soccer, people that grow up with it and it's in their blood. Um, and it's, and it's evolved so much in the last few years too, but there's been plenty of, of really talented athletes that have come out of this area, um, and had success. But I think as you're talking about the, why they're not being recruited, I think one of the biggest areas is there aren't really facilities in the, in the central Valley that can recruit these big tournaments. When you think about even the position we're in now is we're going out to recruit young talent and look and identify players. You want to be as efficient with your time as possible. And so when you're sending out scouts, often you want to have them see multiple matches, um, maybe in one single vicinity. So going to the LA market or the Bay area market makes a lot of sense. You can see a lot of matches. You can hopefully, um, evaluate a lot of players at once. And you can go out to facilities where the, you know, the game isn't impacted because of crappy soccer fields, you know, and, and I think one of the huge kind of glaring areas of growth in the Central Valley is, is increased uh, better facilities. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest and most important things for us going forward is, is how do we identify land and build training and development centers where we can have large youth tournaments or academy tournaments or amateur tournaments where we can really attract those types of scouts to come look at our players because they're, they're plenty, plenty talented, one. Two, I kind of think, you know, there's poverty everywhere, of course. But um, as we know in Central California, there's a lot of, of, uh, of individuals who come from low socioeconomic backgrounds and the ability for those kids to get the opportunity to get seen or to get onto a nice a club team uh, or traveling team is sometimes challenging for them. So providing 
you know, a professional club for these players to look up to, to, to get identified early out in, you know, the various areas for us, you got Los Banos all the way down to Kalinga, all the way up into the mountains. And um, there's a bunch of these small towns that have really, really good players. One of them recently out of um, Mendota's is Danny Trejo, who just got drafted earlier this year in the first round by LAFC. And he's currently on Las Vegas lights. Um, the, the, the number one goal scorer in the state of California history came right about out of our high school, right out of our backyard. So I think there's a ton of room of growth, room for growth here. And, and I hope that we can kind of be a, a, an element along with Sac Republic and really helping develop local talent. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we're all really thankful to, to hear that Fresno is getting another team and it, it, you guys are definitely going to help them out a lot with that mission of being able to have a spot where they can go train and, be able to be seen by anyone really right being that matches in the usl league one are on espn plus as well so that i mean that's a really big plus right just to say it literally because it's it's really going to help you know have that nationwide spotlight where anyone could just watch your match right if you don't even have to have a recruiter come out to watch you guys they could just be in their home right just turn their tv on (laughs) Yeah, the ESPN deal, I think, is a huge thing for the USL. I mean, I, I think it, it brings a lot of credibility to it, and, and really more so it brings a lot of access to people. I mean, uh, when I'm sitting in the office often, I'll, I'll throw up, you know, a, a USL match on one of my screens and just just have it playing constantly. And so the the ease and the ability through the ESPN app of of connecting the USL with more people, I think is, it's a huge thing for the USL. And, and being a member of that, uh, we're super thankful for that partnership. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Major shout out to whoever got that kick started because it's it's such a good um, perk to be able to see the league and anywhere you're at, <laughs> you don't have to be at home. So can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, how Central Valley Fuego came about? Like well, walk us through what, what happens, right? You, you hear that Fresno's being folded and, you know, all, all these rumors of it moving to Monterey Bay and all that. But how do you guys just kind of put that to the side and just think like, all right, let's, let's get something together and let's try to play in USL league one, right? Or league two. Um, how did all that happen? Yeah. So it's, um, it's a long story, but pretty much as Fresno FC was leaving, deciding to leave town, uh, the owners knew that there was something special happening there and that there was a really viable product that had been created and, and that existed and a, a hell of a team. I mean, as you said, in our second year with Fresno FC finished second in the league in the regular season, um, broke Phoenix's 20, whatever game win streak there on that one wild season. And d- it just did some incredible things. I mean, it, incredible things in the community to give back, to give people, you know, a sense of pride and where they come from and, and really identify with the community. And so our, the, the owners at the time, um, had wanted to try to move the team into the hands of, of local ownership, of people that were from the Valley, that really understood the community and that would have the passion and desire to persevere through the, you know, the difficult times um, into acquiring a, a, a stadium. So during that process, um, Juan and Alicia Relas, who are now the, the owners of Fuego FC, were introduced to that ownership group. And after um, a few months of, of speaking, there wasn't a kind of a resolution in place to purchase Fresno FC, but Juan and Alicia knew that Fresno needed soccer, needed pro soccer. And um, Juan and Alicia are the Relis family. They're just, they're just an incredible family that 
they really are the story of the American dream. They're both Mexican immigrants who came to this country in their teenage years, um, struggled, uh, struggled, struggled, came from poor families and uh, had the opportunity to educate themselves. And both of them went to Fresno State and they met at Fresno State um, and, and eventually became entrepreneurs and developed business. And, and now they own over 20 different businesses here in the United States. They're extremely proud to be Americans. They're proud of, of what this country has um, provided the fertile soil for them to be able to grow these, these businesses as entrepreneurs. And they love the Valley because this is the place that, that became their home, that took them in, that gave them this ground to, to be successful. This is where they raised their children. And so some of their children um, were soccer players. And one of which was a, a pretty high, high level soccer player who uh, was good enough to play in ODP and academy level soccer. And unfortunately at the time in Fresno, there was no ODP or academy level soccer. So uh, Juan and Alicia actually had to drive their son to San Jose three times a week to train in a, in a San Jose based academy. And they realized like, okay, we've got the means to, to do this, but how about all of his other teammates that some of them might even be better than our son that are not getting the same opportunity. You know, we've developed business Fresno in this community has been incredible to us. And, and now it's our time in life to, to give back. And so they decided that they wanted to buy acreage and build out uh, a soccer center with a bunch of soccer fields, indoor soccer, um, and build their own academy so that people in the Central Valley would have an academy to come play at that was within, you know, a reasonable distance to them. So they went on this pursuit. They acquired land, got introduced to Fresno FC, sparked the, the understanding that along with an academy, it's anchored even more with a professional side where a kid can, can grow up in the Valley, grow up in Central Valley, and dream to one day be a part of an academy. And then after that academy, suit up for your hometown team and, and be a pro in your own community. Like if you look around the world, I mean, that's what football's about, right? There's no draft. Um, I'm not getting picked in the second round. I'm, I'm a homegrown guy getting developed by my own club. And, and then I'm going to, you know, play for them one day. So they believed in that product. And uh, after, I, after Fresno FC went away, I was lucky enough to, to build a relationship with Juan and Alicia and their businesses um, through my time with Fresno FC. And they offered me a job to come on board and help, uh, you know, kind of lead this project moving forward. So they have the right intentions. Um, they have long-term plans. They've already acquired multiple pieces of property um, for long-term stadium development, training and uh, development center. We're in progress on environmental studies and all that kind of stuff. But that's how it got going. We, we contacted the USL. The USL said, we need Fresno in the USL. Fresno is a USL market. And uh we want an ownership group that really is doing it for the right reasons, that has long-term goals and aspirations in the market. And the USL decided to, you know, to take a chance on Juan and Alicia as owners and uh, granted us the franchise. And then the USL was um, gracious enough to work with the, the Fresno FC ownership group who owned the rights to the Fresno Fuego name um, and, and give the Fuego name back to this community. And so this is why we've, We've identified as Central Valley Fuego to encapsulate more of the valley, more than just the city of Fresno. Um, but Fuego means a lot to a lot of people here. So we're just really excited to, to get going on that. Wow. That's, that's really awesome. Inspirational. I mean, yeah, you, like you said, it, it couldn't have been said better. And that, that truly is the American dream, right? And being able to do so much and, and not just that, but decide to give back to your community and do all that. I mean, 
I'm sure they know how much impact they're making in just any soccer players' lives here in the Valley and, and, and being able to have a place where they can actually drive to that is reasonably nearby and all that. And I know there's a lot of towns around Fresno that are really going to be, you know, just super thankful for all that. And, and it just, it, you know, it makes me really happy to see that everyone in the Valley is going to have a place to go to now because I felt like the Fresno market was just really big that they needed to have a team, right? We have all these different places around the other towns that have a team, but it's like Fresno needs to have something as well for everyone on that side of the Valley who, you know, wants to play for a team. And, you know, maybe they're not in the same circumstances where they can be driven to San Jose, which by the way, that's, that's an amazing drive. For them i mean that oh, yeah. that is something else i you know that, that's dedication right there and and that's it's really cool that you know they were also thinking about other players that you know unfortunately didn't get that chance you know and, and i'm sure we we've had a lot of great players in the valley that you know they just they end their careers and just you know play in high school or maybe even college and that that's that right there's really no other place for them because they they just don't have the resources to drive anywhere further or even to just move out and just you know take a chance definitely yeah it's definitely a great story to hear the other uh, history of the club just uh rise for, uh, from uh, from from so small i mean all the way up to as, as big as it has to have a, a great impact on not, not only just fresno but the central valley as well so i'm glad that uh the fuego fc name is is staying in the central valley i mean that's just amazing and then also, just looking at the uh, the logo for the new club, I mean, it's definitely an amazing uh, uh, logo. I mean, you have, you have the, the fire element, uh, but can you tell us more about the elements of, of this logo? Because I, I'm noticing that there's, uh, you know, the uh, dark and green stripes. Uh, is there any more stories behind these elements? Sure, you're going to test me. We did this about <laughs> about a, a year, a year and a half ago. We, we designed this with a group of about 10 different local designers. We, we brought together different um, members of the community, different artists. Some of them are supporters um, from the supporter club. And, uh, and we said, Hey, let's, let's come up with something together. Let's do this together. A lot of, you know, a lot of teams go out and they find a national artist that, you know, and, and you've seen it time and time again. And some of the, the logos are great, but we want to, our logo to be authentically us and we wanted it to be authentically central valley and so there were a few elements if you look at the old fuego crest it always was centered there's two different ones but they were always centered around like a flaming soccer ball and so we wanted to keep that element somehow but kind of move away from you know the the crest to me doesn't need a soccer ball in the crest you know what i mean it doesn't it doesn't have to have a soccer ball so um we were removed the front the flame element and added that in and then the green line that we added the green line was important to us we wanted to make sure that there was something a little different about the old fresno fuego versus the new central valley fuego and we added another color to the element you'll see that in some of our uh, jersey releases that, that we've got some green elements including into that too in, in fresno you know the biggest brand if you can think about in, in terms of fresno is fresno state football and Fresno State football that's been nationally ranked this year, um, you know, they've done a great job of identifying with this V on the back of their helmet, this green V that represents the valley, represents the agriculture, represents, um, you know, deep 
Hispanic heritage at the same time. So there's just so many different things. And when you think about the value, you think about agriculture. So it was important for us to include that element into our, um, you know, into our crest. And then the, the, the two lines next to it just kind of represent those cropped lines that you see as you're driving up and down the valley. Also, one other element that we, we designed the, the crest into a spade um, that would represent, you know, kind of the hardworking, the, the brown collar, blue collar type of workers that make up, you know, the people that live here in the Central Valley. And so that's, that's the, the shape that we chose was the shape of a spade. Wow, that, that's, that's really cool. I, I do like when, you know, you get the community involved around something like that versus, like you said, right, just getting someone who's really good at doing graphic design, but, you know, has never even been to whatever city that, you know, they're designing something for. So I, I think it, it just helps the community to be more involved, right, with the team and have more of that identity, especially with the logo, right? You want something that people can connect with because, you know, they're going to have this everywhere, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, with Fresno FC, my my experience there with the, the crest itself is like you want to really choose colors that represent kind of your community. Right. Like colors that you see around all the time and not to be overly critical on the design of the first one. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys like me that like to eat a little too many tacos and uh, you rarely see those guys walking around in baby blue shirts. So red, red was really, it's, it's the color of our community. You know, you see red in the dirt, you see red at Fresno state, you see red all over the place. It's a hot place. So um, the color was really important and sticking with that, you know, that red is kind of the theme was, was an important piece to it. Oh, okay. So we're going to see some like red home jerseys and white away or is that is that the plan for home and away you know i yeah we're, we're gonna be releasing the kits here in probably a month or two but uh yeah there'll be there'll be some red i mean one of the things that's always been traditional with fuego has been red and black and so we'll have a lot of black elements in there we'll have a lot of red um we're gonna sprinkle some green in and, and definitely white for sure oh that's cool yeah but red and black are, are a pretty good combo for any jersey out there mm-hmm so I have a question because I've never actually heard why this is the case too, but what's the history behind Fuego as, as part of like the Fresno club names? Uh, is, is there something there? Yeah, there's a, there's a rich and, and great history. So, and we did a lot of this research as we were going through the, the crest design, but we date basically all the way back to the mid fifties when the first few soccer leagues came up, came about within the Fresno community. And at the time it was kind of regional groups. There was like a Norwegian group, an Armenian group, a Mexican group, a German group, and they would compete against each other all the time. And then eventually, you know, a number of years later, um, one of those groups emerged, which was called Mexico soccer club. And they ended up winning a, a national championship in the amateur ranks. And, on that team was a gentleman named Francisco Alvarez and Francisco had played uh, first division in, in Mexico and Liga MX. Um, and he came back to, from uh, originally from Mexico, I believe, uh, but grew up in Fresno and he came back to Fresno and thought, man, there's so many talented players. We have nothing beyond just a couple men's league teams. You know, we need to, we need to form something more realistic. So they actually went with him, his brother, and a couple partners, and they went and bought the USLPDL Central California Roadrunners, um, which were based in San Luis Obispo. And they relocated the team to Fresno and named it the Fresno Fuego. 
And so from 2003 to 2017, the Fresno Fuego were a, a USL PDL team or what's now called USL League Two. One of the more successful PDL teams in the country. They were drawing three, 4,000 fans a game over summer, um, playing in a, a minor league baseball stadium at Chickchancy Park, and really just always performed as if they were a pro club, even though they were an amateur club. And, uh, and, and so that's where really the community rallied behind Fresno Fuego. The Fresno Fuego started as a very um, Spanish and Hispanic dominated brand. They played at local high schools and kind of went around. They had a lot of men's league kind of guys that would support them and whatnot. Um, but eventually the team moved into Chickchancy Park because of its success, began drawing bigger crowds and, uh, and really just soccer started growing and growing and growing. And it no longer was just, as you guys know, not just a, a, a one specific market, right? Like now soccer is, is it for everybody in the United States and it has been for a long time, but the marketing efforts I feel like are now much more broad. Um, and one of the things that we wanted to keep as part of the rich tradition of Fuego is being unapologetically bilingual. And so uh, if, if you've watched our kind of our intro video or we have a new video coming out here in another couple of weeks, we're going to be unapologetically bilingual. And I think it's just if you grow up in the Central Valley and you don't know a couple Spanish words, you probably completely got your, your earmuffs in. You know, it's part of our culture, whether you speak the language or not. And uh, it's something that we're really proud of. Yeah, I think that that's really cool, really marketing genius to, to do something like that, because, yeah, you're right. Growing up here in the Valley, everyone knows a couple of words. If you don't really know Spanish, you still know, you know, how to um, you know, say a couple of the, the main important words out there. So uh, right. I'm really glad that you guys are reflecting that as well on that. And, and it's not really something we see a lot of clubs do, right? Even clubs that are in markets with, you know, a higher Hispanic population, too. So I'm, I'm really glad that you guys are are actually doing that versus others. I, I'm not sure why they don't do it as much, but, you know. Yeah, I one, of, one of the clubs is, I, you know, as we were putting this together that we we just really loved what they did was the Oakland Roots um, in terms of their marketing strategy. And, I mean, they wanted definitely to make sure that everybody, you know, knew the identity of their city. Um, it's a very urban city. It's hip-hop. It's dance. It's graffiti. It's, like, all of these kind of amazing cultural pieces that make Oakland, Oakland. And I think the Oakland Roots did a good job at like bringing that into their crest, bringing that into, you know, their game day experience. And so I, I really, I really loved what they did. I thought they did a great job on that. I think as we look at ourselves, it's like having that Hispanic flair, having a banda or a mariachi or, you know, whatever, or having, um, you know, different elote if you don't have an elote man at the stadium like you're missing out here you know you, you want to do all of those things michelada is everywhere like um it's going to be part of our dna and part of our culture because that's what's part of our dna and culture is as a city yeah that's that's awesome i mean all, all that's really great and and definitely brings people to the stands because you know they're speaking to you right and and if you do that then you know you, you'll you'll have them there and not just that right but you'll have future generations wanting to play for the team right because you grow up going to games and surely enough right someone's going to want to actually um be on the field as well not just be on the stand so it's it's good that you know you you're encompassing all that in, in the general experience so um i know you guys are going to get started in usl league one next year um 
Can you tell us a little bit more about how the scouting's been like for you guys? Like, have you guys been doing tryouts locally? And, you know, how, how's the team formation going? Like, do you guys have some players already or what's up with that? Yeah, this is the fun part, right? You know, I've been telling everybody, I've been involved in, in professional sports now. Uh, this is my 12th, 12th year in, in professional sports. And in soccer, uh, the offseason is very short, very, very short. You get it basically about two months. One month of it is is basically meetings, you know, down in Florida with the USL and you got a month to prepare and, and the offseason's over. However, for me, this has been the longest offseason of my life. I mean, from, from the end of 2019, um, when Fresno FC uh, went away to, to, you know, what will be uh, March, February, March of 2022, it's been a long time. So to see football played on the, on the pitch again, to have players back in-house, um, to be talking to all those fun agents, um, this is the fun part. So for us, yes, we, uh, we have signed a couple players. We are preparing the announcements. We're really excited about um, the players that we'll be announcing. I think you'll be familiar with some of the names. Um, we're just so pumped about that. That's the fun part. Our scouting and recruiting has gone well. We've obviously been paying attention to USL Championship and USL League One throughout the year. Um, we have a scouting team that's actually reviewing, uh, has been, you know, a lot, all the college playoff games that are happening right now. Um, all over the places we're looking for young players. And then obviously we keep a pretty good uh, sense of what local players are playing at a high level collegiately here in town. So that's how our process has gone so far. Oh, okay. I, I know that there's one that we're very well familiar with also a former uh, Fresno Fuego guy, and that's Elliot Horde who played for our Sacramento Republic. So I'm like, I know he's, he's the head woman soccer coach uh, at the uh, college of the Sequoias right now, but Hey, if, if he could go back and play for you guys, I think he would probably really enjoy that being a, a local guy. Elliot was a hell of a player with Fresno Fargo. <laughs> Incredible right back. And, uh, you know, I think those matches that we had against Sac Republic throughout the years, and the, we would play almost every year, we'd play an exhibition match against Sac Republic. And, and having Elliot get the opportunity to play against Sacramento and, and having the coaches and, and scouts seeing him live, I think really helped, you know, Christian Cheney was another player that was a former Fresno Fuego player that I think was with Sac Republic for a year or two. Um, Dillian Bijev was a local guy that grew up in Fresno that was with Sacramento Republic for a long time. <laughs> so there, there's a, there's definitely always been close ties with, with Sacramento and Fresno. And, you know, with us, our, one of our main goals and Juan's main goal as an owner is to develop local talent. So our hope, you know, with where we're at in league one is that we are moving guys up through the ranks and eventually they're, they're getting bigger and better opportunities and, and reaching the highest peaks of their career. So hopefully there'll be more players that come through the, the, the Fuego ranks that end up one day in a Sac Republic jersey. I was going to say, see that now that's got me curious as far as since he mentioned the uh, familiar names, now that's got me chopping at a bit trying to figure out who, who it is. I mean, who, who's going to be part, a part of the Central Valley Fuego FC that's familiar to us. So I, I know we have to wait like everybody else, but, but still, it's, that's, that's got me interested now. Yeah, you'll recognize some names that, uh, that you like and you'll recognize some names that you hate. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll be excited to announce those guys here pretty soon. Well, yeah, that, that's awesome. It's always really great to see any guy, right? Even if it wasn't a Sac Republic guy. And, and especially, I think, if it was a, a former Fresno uh, FC guy, because, uh, I mean, I, I feel for them, right? You're on a club, and then the next thing you know, like the club gets folded. And for you to be able to have that other opportunity to still play in your hometown is, is just 
really great for them. And, and I'm really happy that they're getting this opportunity to, you know, be, be back playing in Fresno and, you know, uh, giving another competitive team to the Central Valley. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, you think about for the life of a player is a crazy one, right? It's 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 volatile. It can change every year. You're moving your family around all over the place to pursue your dreams. So, yeah, having the ability to try to have some local guys on your squad, I feel like is always a dream come true if it works out. You know, having family around, having your friends and loved ones in the crowd watching you, it's it just it's just something different. It's something special to watch. So, I'm excited for these guys. Absolutely. Now, of course, we we understand the uh, the challenges that uh, Fresno FC had as far as uh, getting a stadium that would uh, facilitate uh, USL championship level, and of course, you know what what happened afterwards. Uh, but uh, we understand that you're planning on building a five thousand uh, seat stadium. Uh, is there any update on the progress on that, and where exactly it's going to be at? The location, I can't really reveal just yet, but uh, I will say we've acquired two pieces of property that are both sufficient for um, the size of facility that we need. We are going through uh, an environmental study on one right now. Um, You know, occasionally you find a salamander or something and you can't build. So, um, you know, so yeah, we have identified two pieces of property that, that, uh, that can make sense for us and acquired them. And so we're, we're going through the process on it. It's a long process. Um, we do, we will have an announcement here in the next probably two and a half weeks on our playing site, um, in the interim until our permanent facility is built, which we're excited a lot about, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to take a couple of years. Um, that's really just the reality of it is, is once you acquire a piece of property, there's a, you know, zoning and environmental studies and getting through water, water is a huge issue here in Fresno. I, I don't know if Sacramento or up North it's it's as bad, but, uh, but we have major water issues here down here in Fresno. And so finding the right piece of property that, you know, is either already tied into a city water or a purple pipe or some, some type of well situation is, uh, is a huge challenge for us. So we're working through all those, but I can say that um, we are much closer than anyone else has been ever before. And, and, you know, um, all fingers crossed, there's no salamanders that they find and, and we can start building here soon. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I mean, just the fact that you guys are going to be having a, a brand new, you know, spa just just for you guys, just, you know, place where you can go and train. Anyone could just go and, and you don't have to actually respond to anyone else is, is, I think, phenomenal, right? Because you guys could take control of your own spa and I think not be as restricted with different things as as is our case with Sac Republic. And you got Cal Expo, you got, you know, the state owning Cal Expo and all different restrictions that, you know, go through that and even practicing there and all that. So, you know, I'm glad that you guys are, are going to have control over all those situations. It's the, it's the biggest challenge I think any team faces. And, I, and, you know, as we look to where soccer's going here in the United States and where we all know it should be, we know the talent is here, right? Um, but we've fallen behind on so many different levels, you know, youth and um, the business side of things, all that kind of thing. But the reality is, is you've got to own and operate your facility. Um, it's basically the key to success. If you can own and operate your own facility, then you can utilize it on non-game day events, um, you know, for special events and concerts and keep that building busy. Because as we all know, 
whether you're operating an MLS team or a USL League One team, it's really challenging for it to turn a profit. I mean, that your expenses just end up being so much higher than the, the revenue that you can create. And at the USL level, it's not like we can charge $100 a ticket to, to get to a, you know, a, a profitable state. We have to be mindful of what people can afford and how they want to choose to spend their, their entertainment money or, you know, whatever family time they want to have. So um, the reality of it is for these teams to be successful, one, it's got to be land you've got to have a good land lease or, or own it. Um, you've got to be running special events and, and hopefully in the future we get good enough to where we are developing enough players through academies that can be sold off into other markets and really create that, um, create enough money to really grow this thing here. And I think we're getting close. I think we're getting really close. Oh yeah. And I mean, you guys are already uh, on your way there, right? You guys have plans already to make this new stadium and, you guys have a team already, right? I mean, everything is all, all on course for you guys to start next year. And so you're on the right track already with, with all that going on. So that's, uh, that's a really, really awesome to know. So speaking of that for next year, um, what are the future plans for, for the team? I know you guys are, are you know, set to start in USL League One um, in uh, 2022 next year. Uh, what, are, what are things that you guys have going on for, for the future? Yeah, no, we're excited. So we we have kind of a five-year game plan. So, you know, the USL has kind of pitched this, this game plan that we all have to strategize over the next five years before we hit the World Cup in the United States. And um, our five-year plan includes next year launching our League One and League Two side. Um, so we will have an amateur side. Uh, and then the, following that, launching our academy side. And then following, we also want to have a women's uh, women's side as well. And so we feel like having those four elements is really going to make sure that everybody in our community has an opportunity, um, whether it's at the amateur, the pro, the youth, or the, the female side of things. And so we want to make an impact on everyone in our community. And we feel like that's probably the, the best way that we can do it. That, that's awesome. I'm glad that they have those plans in place, right? Because you definitely want everyone to have a chance, at, no matter like what level you're in, to have that opportunity to, to be seen. So uh, I'm glad that that's, that's what they do. And I was, I wasn't even aware that you guys were going to have a league two team as well, but you know, the, the more the merrier, right. It just gives you more um, players that are going to go up the ranks and, you know, you, you, you give them that opportunity. Um, I'm kind of curious because I've never heard more about what goes on with USL league one and league two, but what are like the requirements? What's like the entry fee that USL usually tends to look at for, for league one? Yeah, so USL uh, League One is operationally very similar similar to Championship. We the players report February one. They operate all the way through November thirtieth. Uh, as you guys probably saw last week was the Championship match of USL League One, where Omaha took home the title and they dominated all year. They're a hell of a team. Um, kudos to them. They really put together a good. And, and I mean, they're they're a model of success. I mean, you look at. The development of their logo and their their kits and their facilities beautiful they play the baseball stadium but they do a great job there their branding's great their community impact is great i mean they're really the the, the class of usl league one right now and, and you know our hopes is uh, to compete day one with with those folks um operationally a usl league one team costs probably about half as much of what a usl championship costs to run so we're operating on a, on a bit smaller staff um there may be you know 
30 people or so operating in the front office of Sac Republic. We're probably operating more around 15 full-time, uh, full-time people. So it, I think USL League One is going to catch up very quickly to the championship because you've got a lot of um, you got a lot of people that hope one day down the road we get, we can earn our spot in championship, right? That there is maybe pro rel coming down the road one day that could separate the USL from you know any other league in this country. So I think we're really excited about where USL League One's going. I think the USL championship is just about capped in terms of, of where they're going to be numbers wise, probably. And USL league one is probably going to grow very, very quickly. So we, we really hope there's a Western conference in a, in a short amount of time because uh, us in Tucson and Northern Colorado are really the only teams, you know, on this side of the Rockies. So we'll be doing a lot of traveling the first couple of years, but uh, we're really hoping within two seasons, there'll be a Western conference. And, and that's great that uh, you're going to be playing against uh, FC Tucson. I mean, that's just like a couple a couple hours down the road for me. So, you know, perhaps next year uh, take take the Flix bus from Phoenix to Tucson and you know hopefully cheer on uh, the Fuego. Oh, we'd love that. That would be awesome. Yeah, it, it's funny too because Tucson used to be in USL PDL as well. Yeah, and, uh, and we we had some um, some back and forth matches over the year. It was it, years? It was a little bit of a rivalry. They were. Uh, they were in the, uh, another division, so we'd only see them in the playoffs. But um, Coach Rick Chance, the, the Arizona – I mean, uh, Phoenix Phoenix Rising coach was actually the coach mm-hmm. of FC Tucson when Fresno Fuego used to play against them. So it'll be fun to rekindle uh, some of that rivalry. <laughs> it's always good to have Central Valley versus Arizona on, on the plate. I mean, believe me, we, we know what, very much about that in the USL Championship. It's, it's always – uh, fun to watch Phoenix and Sacramento buttheads. And now next year we'll get, actually get to see Central Valley Fuego and FC Tucson go back at it again. That's right. Oh yeah. That, that, but yeah, no, I think, I think in a couple of years we will definitely see a, a West and East right in, in league one. And that would be really great because there's so many different places here in California that I could see USL league one having clubs in right. And, and teams that I think could, uh, be capable of being there. I mean, we got Academica and Sherlock, which I think would be amazing if they had an opportunity to also be there, right? And then give us two Central Valley teams there in, in USL League One. But I, I think, you know, that there's plenty of Modesto's teams. Modesto's not there. bad. You got you to rally your Modesto folks. That'd be a good place for one too. That would be a dream. I, I've always said it. And, and if I can help kickstart that, I, I would be more than glad to do so because they, there's there's a market here. I just think they just haven't really been able to establish it as well. And we've had a couple of amateur teams, but I think that their, their vision is maybe not as ambitious or whatnot, but, you know, I think, you know, that there, there's places they could do it and we even have venues they could do it at. And, and so, yeah, I, I guess it's just a matter of <laughs> talking to the right people and <laughs> getting right. something started. But, you know, I, I like where things are going. I really do, you know, um, enjoy seeing that the USL is just growing rapidly and that they established this structure and hopefully it is like a pro realm, right? And at least we get to see it here because with MLS, it just seems like they're just never going to make it happen. And we all know how, how fun it is to have that. And, you know, if you guys are already traveling onto the East coast, then I, I don't see why they can't do pro rel and in, in this same USL structure, right? If you guys are already <laughs> having to travel far, then, um, anyone could travel anywhere and, and then you could just make it more interesting and 
you know, see, see where that goes. But I think you would get more people even excited, right, to, be, to go to games. I think we would see even more higher attendance at most of the like, stadiums and just all the USL structure if you do that because now you're just throwing in another element to the a mix, right? And you could even also do some sort of like FA Cup style, right? Keep it to just USL teams. Maybe also try that. Maybe they start doing that first. And then they think about pro rel, right? And just to like test the water, see how that works out. But, you know, uh, they, they need to do something like that. Cause I think it would be really interesting to see, uh, see us like play against Central Valley Fuego, right? But in a more competitive nature where you're actually playing for something and you rally even more people because they know that, you know, you're playing for this cup outside of your regular league cup. I think the USL has really got the ability to do it. You know what I mean? Um, we're family. Uh, all the USL League One and, and championship teams were partners. We work together. We share ideas. Um, it is it is a great community of of soccer clubs. And I think if anybody's got the opportunity to do it, it's us. And um, you know, I think it, it's hard. It's hard to look at. I think from a fan perspective, because it just makes so much sense. From the the ownership and business perspective, it's a bit more challenging, obviously, because. Um, one, you know, is, is a lower division team ready and willing and capable to up their budget, you know, by double to, to, to participate at the USL championship level one, two, if there's still new USL championship franchises being sold to ownership groups and cities, um, and then, uh, you know, USL league one, uh, USL league one franchises being sold at a lower amount, um, it creates a bit of a conflict there. It's like you buy in and you don't get it right the first year and you get demoted. Like that, that's really challenging. So I think until both leagues are kind of capped in terms of numbers and everyone feels like they're sustainable and going to stick around and, and all that good stuff, then pro rel really makes sense at that point um, structurally. Um, but I think in terms of me just being a fan of the game, uh, I can't wait to see it. I, I think it's something that makes matches special um, you know, when you win the lower division, you watch like in the, in the championship in England, that championship match, uh, or the match that's going to get the teams to get promoted. I mean, that's like the Super Bowl for them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I would love to see those types of things included in Darling. Yeah. And, you know, it, there goes a lot with, you know, smaller cities, right. And, and being able to have that dream to make it up to the top division right and you know i think there's that incentive for people when you look at like english clubs where you know you support your hometown team it might be like a third fourth division club but you know that there's that chance you get on a good run one season the next thing you know it you you know you're in the top right you're in that like top league or at least you know you're playing against these other teams that are coming down from the other league and if you're competitive against them then you all of a sudden have hope right that your team might keep moving up and you know, it's always one of those things where I hope one day we get to see it here. And I really hope that, you know, USL, MLS talk to each other and that we eventually we were to get a structure like the English actually do have and all that because they 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 don't know how much business could be generated from that. Right. I understand there's other perspectives right on on, uh, you know, uh, investing players and all that. But, you know, somehow, right, the English were able to actually, you know, make it happen. and. I think, you know, like you were saying, right, you get more of that fan involvement. People get more stoked to watch a game and they fill up stadiums because they know that the dream is there. Right. And they know that 
they're playing a big role in that as well, right? If, if a team gets promoted, generally you see the stadiums packed because people are seeing the team play really good and they're seeing them have really good chances. So, you know, they know they have to back their hometown because they, you know, they're close to potentially even making history, right? If they've never like been promoted. So, you know, it, it's, it's just, uh, it's just great. It's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, I, for me, my challenge is, is the other sports in this country, unfortunately, at times we reward teams for losing. Mm-hmm. You get the number one draft pick, mm-hmm. this or that. You get supplemental picks. And what I love about football and, and soccer all over the world is just you're rewarded for winning and you're punished mm-hmm. for losing. And uh, mm-hmm. there's something beautiful about that. And I, and I think that if you started a franchise – as a soccer club, you should do everything in your power to win. And if that's not part of your DNA, like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think uh, the punishment for teams just mailing it in and losing and getting bumped down a division is is worthwhile. And who knows? Maybe we'll be in last place next year and I'll be using <laughs> my words. But, um, but I know we're going to do everything in our power to, to, to win. And, uh, yeah, and I think being able to reward winners is something that could be, you know, really something special down the road. Yeah, here's hoping. Here's hoping we we see it happen. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Jared, do you have any final words you'd like to say before we close it out? Well, uh, I know you had mentioned that kits are coming uh, soon um, in early 2022. Or is there any uh, plans for an uh, online team shop? Yeah, we have an online team store. Our, our kits will be released uh, probably the first couple weeks of February. Um, we had we did all custom kits this year, um, which we're, we're really excited about. I think that was something that um, our community deserves is, is custom kits. We we signed with a company called Capelli Sport, um, which is which is uh, which is something that we're really excited about. I think our ownership group is a very vertically integrated you know business structure. They like to do everything from the ground up. If we could make our own soccer balls, we'd probably make our own soccer balls. Um, it's, it's how our ownership group operates and it's, it's really effective. And so when we dealt with Capelli uh, and we were trying to go through which brand to select Capelli sport was a company that kind of aligned with the same values that we have. They're very vertically integrated and they also had a huge care and impact, uh, a huge care for making an impact on community. And so we've, we've had two instances where we've reached out to Capelli sport. Um, one time we wanted to give, uh, these kids who are going through chemotherapy, like the day of their lives. And so we did this little program called not all heroes wear capes and uh, Capelli sport donated a whole bunch of equipment and decked out the kids with soccer balls and goals and all this stuff. I mean, the moment we called them, they're like, where do we send the stuff to? So being able to partner with a organization that really does have community in mind and is willing to support what we're doing in, in our market was something cool. Um, but we did all custom kits, so they take a little bit more time to make. So we'd love to have them out for Black Friday, but uh, but we'll have them in February, so you can buy one for your for your Valentine. That sounds like a good, a good plan right there. I, I know I've got a wall of scarves that's uh, as you can see, is still uh, in progress. So nice. I might have to get get a couple more on there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll we'll have our scarves up on our uh, our team store. So go check it out. Yeah, FuegoFC.store. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we we look forward to seeing those jerseys. I mean, just like we said, right, just seeing the logo, it looks really cool. I, I mean, I can't imagine how amazing the jerseys are going to look like as well. So 
we're definitely yeah. gonna keep a lookout for that and and you know, I'll, I'll try my best to go out, out there, um, attend the game and, and see see how everything goes. And definitely when you guys open that new stadium as well, um, check it out and you know, make sure we do all, all in our part to promote um, the team and, and, you know, get some more people out there um, for yeah. matches. Definitely. And we, uh, we, we had actually talked about wanting to do something in Modesto too, because one of our, so one of our biggest, longest partners is this brewery called Tioga Sequoia Beer Garden, which is a beer garden that's located right across the street from the, the baseball stadium in downtown Fresno. And they're actually renovating um, a building, I believe in, in Modesto or, or somewhere, one of the neighboring cities around there and bringing a, a brewery up there might actually be more said. Um, but close by and so we'll be doing stuff up in the the north valley as well and so yeah we'd love to love to interact with you and have you out at a game sometime soon out of match oh yeah yeah that, that would be awesome yeah, if you guys did anything up here in the in the 209 because there's there's a lot of people that would definitely go to games too and and you know the, you guys got all your target audience that's also on on this side that you know don't have much uh to see i mean they have academica and trillock right but you know, if they want to watch uh, another club in the area or maybe even closer to them, um, you know, they, they they really don't have anything or they're right smack in the middle, right, of like Sherlock and, and Fresno. And, you know, that that, that would be a, a good spot for them. So uh, definitely, I think getting the name out, out there, getting the brand out there is, is really important. And what I always like to say, right, it's just anyone who hasn't gone to a game or if you have people who have never gone to a soccer game, it's just, hey, bring them with you to a game because after you go to a game and not just like any right because i think people have this idea of like oh high school soccer college soccer but when you go and actually watch uh, an organized club right that has everything has a structure and all that it's just a different experience right it's not the same thing that you would experience if you didn't go to an actual venue and and you know actually see all that you know uh, take place and whatnot so uh, i know you guys are gonna have the same experience and you know i'm, I'm really looking forward to how all that's going to come about and, and all the different events that you guys are going to be doing. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Well, uh, Chris, thank you so much for spending your um, Tuesday evening here with us. We really appreciate it. And like I said, we're going to uh, definitely be promoting the club much more. And then once you guys have any players announced, you know, we'll be more than happy to get them on here to talk about the new season and uh, how everything will be like. So uh, feel free to invite anyone and then we'll have them on here. Awesome. Yeah, we look forward to it. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, best of luck. Thank you. Have a good Thanksgiving. Okay, you too. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Great having you here. Yep. Thanks, you too. Well, that was a really great interview, right, Jared? Uh, we sure learned a lot about Fresno Fuego in, in a short amount of time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely a fan already. I mean, just just hearing all the suspense as far as uh, the people that are going to you know, put in the contracts, uh, the, the new uh, venue that they're still working on, and and the fact that they're going to be playing against uh, FC Tucson. I mean, that's already got me uh, interested in uh, getting a Flixbus trip going over there to uh, Kino Stadium. So that's definitely going to be uh, interesting. Yeah, and I'm really glad that they're keeping the Fresno Fuego uh kind of ideology right even though now it's central valley fuego because the people there i mean they, they are really identified with the fuego name and i mean he told us how many years right they've been using that name and so the fact that they continue on with that that you know they have this new logo with uh the green white red black colors on the logo it's it's really symbolic of the central valley 
with the grass, as you were saying, right, with the green there, the fuego again with the name, and of course also with the weather, right, that we experience here in the valley, which at times it feels like we're under fire. <laughs> uh, so I think it's it's just a really great thing that they decided to continue on with the team, and you know it was a shame that Fresno FC couldn't continue and. I hope one day Central Valley Fuego gets to be in the USL Championship and, you know, maybe they find uh, another venue to make a stadium that is maybe 10,000 uh, seater or, I mean, if they could just adjust their current venue, right, wherever they built it at, if it's expandable, just as the Sac Republic Stadium was right after the first season, mm -hmm. then I think that would be really awesome to have a team like that in the USL again in the championship and so Hopefully it works out. And from the looks of it, they have a really good organization. Uh, reminds me a lot of Academica and the organization that they have there too. So, I mean, as a Central Valley guy myself, I am actually really happy to see uh, clubs that are joining different leagues here in the Central Valley that are really taking it seriously and are really wanting to put a focus on fan experience, making sure that everyone has a good time at games and that, you know, they, they, are proud of their hometown team, right? And and I I really like what I see going on around the valley. Yeah, and it sounds like already. I mean, we're, we're not even starting this season as of yet, but it sounds like a great start to uh, San Joaquin Stanislaw uh, supporter group for uh, Central Valley Fuego. I mean, I would love to see that happen. I mean, given the fact that, for example, Republic FC has uh, Tower Bridge Battalion, but also outlying supporter groups in other areas like uh, Legion of the North. Um, Golden Gate uh, Bridge Battalion. I mean, we could see the start of this for uh, Fuego. I mean, like a uh, Stanislaw uh, Fire or a uh, San Joaquin uh, Blaze or anything, something like that. Just something that's supportive of the Central Valley logo. I mean, the Central Valley team, you know, such as Fresno yeah, or Central Valley uh, Fuego FC, but not that, uh, not that terribly far. So, I mean, it's definitely a great start to, to, to the club so far, and I definitely want to see it, see it expand further. I mean, maybe even go as further further down as maybe Bakersfield, you know, get get more of the, uh, the northern central and the southern central valley uh, into it. So, I mean, it's just, it, it sounds like they, they've got everything well in hand. You know, they, they learned from uh, running uh, Fresno FC what worked, what didn't work, and they're building on that. So, I, I see great things happening for for this club i mean i really do especially with the the five-year plan that chris mentioned about having the, the league one team uh, the league two team uh, the women's club the academy i mean that's that's how you get your foot foot in the door in the soccer world and i'm, I'm hoping they, they jam their leg you know, to, to force themselves in so this is definitely a great start for them yeah i i'm really excited about that too when you mentioned that five-year plan i was like that that is really great. I'm glad the league has that in place because this is how we're going to grow our sport. And by the time we get the 2026 World Cup, I mean, you're going to have clubs all over the place and a lot of developed things going on. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're in exciting times right now. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad to see that going on. And definitely Bakersfield. Yeah, they, I could see them driving to Fresno. Fresno is such a good spot, you know, because it's centrally located. you got... You know, it's basically in the center of Merced and Bakersfield. And so between Merced and Bakersfield, you have a reasonable drive to get to Fresno. That's not too bad, right? That I, yeah. I, there's, there's just a lot of potential there for a lot of people to go to games. And, you know, one person tells another person. And like you said, 
you get some supporter groups built out in, in all the neighboring cities. And, you know, before you know it, they're packing that 5,000 seater stadium and, you know, showing that, hey, they really want a team there in the Valley and they're really enjoying that. And, and you know, I have no doubt that they're going to fill up a 5,000 seater stadium, just like oh, you yeah. said, right? They filled up uh, or they, they brought around that same amount of people at Chuck Chansey. So I know they're going to do the same thing in this venue and you know nothing but success to them so that way they keep growing they grow the venue and like i said before you know it they're at a like ten thousand seater and you know that they're on their way to be back in the championship and soccer yeah. public's still there then you know we'll be able to <laughs> watch more of those <laughs> games because I, I i really got into those sacramento fresno games i thought that was just a really awesome rivalry and i, I know it was probably second to the reno rivalry but you know, I, I thought it, it gave it a different twist, right? Because you had basically a Central Valley rivalry just coming about, right? It's just like two different spots in the Central Valley. And I, I always wanted to see that, right? Because we didn't have yeah. a club here. So naturally, right, being able to see a rivalry here in, in your valley is, is something else. And so I hope we get to see it someday. And at the very least, they play a friendly against Central Valley Fuego is what I'm hoping next year. <laughs> That would definitely be nice. I mean, I, I know we, uh, we can voice uh, our, our opinion, you know, voice what we want to see happen. So def- definitely, um, you know, Connor, if you're listening, you know, definitely look into a, a friendly sometime during the year with uh, Central Valley Fuego FC. I mean, would definitely be representative of, of the Central Valley and, and Sacramento on that. I mean, this could be the, the next great uh, Highway 99 Derby if uh, we play our cards right. Yeah, and you know that what they could do what they did when they played against Fresno FC uh, friendly match when they went to my alma mater, Stan State, which was just about midway. I think it's a little bit closer to Fresno, but that that was like a good spot, you know, to have a game against each other to where they both just meet there and and they play there. So, hey, if they want to organize that again, that that would be something else to be able to have another game there and have a little friendly match um of course if we had the open cup right which that's kind of up in the air right no one really knows what's yeah. going on with that um yeah. that would be a good spot to see that happen and, and it surely probably would happen right because we had our games against <laughs> fresno fuego i believe and an open cup in the past so you know that if we can see that again that that would be something else so awesome well Jared, thank you for being on this uh, interview today. I'm glad you're able to join. And thank you, everyone else, for listening to us uh, tonight. Uh, We hope you have an amazing Thanksgiving if you listen to this before (laughs) the actual holiday. Um, And if you listen after, happy holidays. Uh, We are going to be working on more interviews for you all. Um, uh, I'm I'm still kind of getting some more uh, booked here on the calendar so we can have more interviews here during the offseason as well, if anything pops up with player transfers and all that, we might hop on and do another podcast just to talk about that. If there's a, a list of uh, transfers and maybe hopefully players that we actually get re-signed, which um, we're hoping we get all those guys that are still uh, up in the air, whether they're going to come back or not next year. Uh, we hope we have some news on that. I do want to give a shout out to uh, the team for actually bringing back the mystery boxes. I ordered mine already. I can't wait to find out what it is. And I'll I'll post it on my socials once I see what it is. But I'm really excited. It's almost like a little early Christmas present from the team to have that chance, right? Because you you don't know what's in the box, right? We just 
we, we know the categories, but we have no idea. So opening that cardboard box is like opening a Christmas present uh, in the morning. So uh, I think it's, it was a really great idea for the team to bring that back. Awesome, everyone. Have a great day or night whenever you might be listening to us. And thank you so much for listening to State of the Republic podcast. We'll see you next week. Until next time, folks.